Hello, this podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is an amazing company that has formulated the most powerful substance in our body that was taken way back in the Egyptian era known as the food of the gods. Not only does it bring in balance, happiness, and increase your intuition, it decalcifies your pineal gland, which opens up your third eye and increases your light body, allowing your consciousness and your awareness to be open and aware of everything that is going on. The high-level mineral source, which we need today on our planet, is so important. With the fact that the earth itself has been overturned so many times with all of the farming industries, that we do not have access to the rich ormus that is available in this planet. And thanks to now alchemy, we do. We now have the sustenance that our body needs that is brought in from the Himalayan mountains and the Dead Sea. Ormus, which is powerful energy source that moves through your body and brings together a whole synthesis of information to every part of your body. By bringing this mineral source, you are nourishing your body at a cellular level. I love the company for what it stands for and its ethics. And it has been a sponsor of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast since the beginning. And that's why I always ask the tribe to support the sponsors who are sponsoring this show because I go through each of the sponsors with strong ethics and integrity to make sure that whatever they are bringing forth is in align to the planet and into you and for all of us so that we can grow and have health and wellness in our lives. Ormus's company spends a lot of time with advanced scientists, naturopaths, and doctors and herbalists to formulate a sourcing technique that brings in the highest quality of organic ingredients from the most mysterious and desolate countries in order to bring the magic in the bottle, which is Ormus. Now alchemy is not just for health and wellness community, but for all people seeking to become their greatest version of themselves. And I've been taking this product for many months, and it has been such an addition to my shamanic love that I bring to the world. And how I bring love into the lives of people is by keeping myself healthy and happy and lifted and shifted. By bringing the highest source of minerals in my body, I am able to hold a high vibration of energy and light when doing healing work or when I'm speaking to large groups of people. And when I'm here lit and doing Ancient Wisdom Today podcasts. So I invite you to experience the amazingness of Ormus. They have so many powerful selections that you can choose from, from 24 karat gold Ormus to Shilajit to nano-enhanced CBD to Elysium, each bringing a different blend of energy to your body. And I honestly say that this company is really changing the lives of people. Ever since I've mentioned them and shared them with all of the people in the tribe, I've been getting letters and letters of people's lives that have been changing. And not to mention the fact that those who have had suffered so many times from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, confusion, fog brain, and all of these other symptoms that have been plaguing us because of the onslaught of aggressive energies on our planet, by taking Ormus, these things are cleared, neutralized, and allowing you to have more balance and groundedness in who you are, as well as enhancing your mind so that you're able to think clearly and have a stronger focus. You can get Ormus by contacting www.n.com 
www.nowalchemy.com. That's www.nowalchemy.com. And if you use the code SHAMAN, you'll get 11% off every purchase you make. I'm so happy, tribe, that we are putting beautiful things in our body because putting beautiful things in our body is putting beautiful things in our mind and our spirit. And that allows us to shine and radiate our truth in this world as leaders. I love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And did anyone tell you how much you're loved? Well, let me be the first to tell you how much I love you. You're so wonderful and so powerful and so dynamic and so creative and such a genius. And I'm so happy that we're on this planet together and that we get to share in this beautiful union and this connectedness of bringing our wisdom and our intelligence to a higher place for the betterment of all life on planet Earth. It is so wonderful to that we get to share in that beauty together all the time here on Ancient Wisdom Today and also in our lives. Because everything that we're learning is enriching us and opening up the nebulous corners of our mind to be able to think in higher ways and allowing the light consciousness to expand on planet Earth so that we can create legacy. Because that's what it's about, right, tribe? And I'm so happy that I have an amazing, powerful, amazing, gifted soul man in the studio today with me that I know you're going to love on today's share. His name is Dr. Robert Kandarjan. He is an amazing holistic doctor that has been practicing for 35 years since 1983. He is such a gifted human being with such a beautiful heart. And he has written an amazing book called The Masculine Heart, What Makes Men Tick. He's also a writer of the book, The Sacred Intentions. And these books are about bringing information to the tribe so that we can move to a higher place in our evolution, not just from the masculine perspective, but from the soul perspective. That's what it's about, shifting and lifting and bringing new greater possibilities so that we can continue to think in a way that supports a more wonderful, more powerful, and more dynamic life. What I would like to do is bring to the share Dr. Robert Kadarjan. Thank you very much. What a beautiful introduction. I'm honored. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank well, you. Uh, you also bring an amazing uh, gift to the world with your intention to elevate and evolve, help people evolve. It's a beautiful work that you're doing. God bless you and more power to you. 
Thank, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's an honor to have you here and it's such a gift. And, you know, I was, um, I'm really excited about your book, The Masculine Heart, because a lot of times what I see is that, you know, we're talking about a lot of women issues and what's happening with women, which is great because I am a women's empowerment leader and I love women, but it's not just women. I'm also here to support everyone in all of their life. And so to have you in studio today, so we can talk about this, you know, what's happening to the masculine heart, you know, about your book and also, you know, dive in a little bit into your other book, which is The Sacred Intentions, so we can get really clear about how we're operating in our lives and how we can, how, how we can be, you know, even better than, than what this system has created us to be. Mm, yes, yes. So what I wanted to know is, um, how, did you, how did you start your journey? Yeah, great question. I grew up in Lebanon with a lot of violence around me. So I, I, I very early on, I decided that <laughs> I got to do something about this. And uh, of course, it all starts within. We have to heal our own inner demons and our own inner ghosts. So, you know, I've been on the personal journey for a long time. And uh, it was a blessing I moved to the States when I was about 15, which helped me have the opportunity to do that kind of inner work in a more peaceful environment. And uh, I've always been interested in health. I mean, at a very young age, I realized what I want is justice. It's, I'm either going to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? To bring healing of some sort to others and to myself, of course. And... Uh, so it was an evolution. I started with nutrition. I started with spinal care. And eventually I moved into more metaphysical studies. And uh, it was an evolutionary process that brought me to observe things and always asking the question, why? Uh, the onion has always been like my metaphoric uh, <laughs> vision or image. You know, it's like just peel away layers to get to the depth of things and keep asking the question why and of course as a man developing uh i had to ask some really great questions about my own masculine identity and in a country or in a world that is at this point obsessed with consumerism and how does all that fit in and uh and says and also how how have we as the byproduct of a patriarchal structure and patriarchal uh, history uh, have we evolved into better souls so I guess that's the short version <laughs> which is great I mean yeah. I in a, you know and I and I and I and I did a little bit of read up on you as well too I know that you do a lot of stuff with the healing touch uh, yes. which is the group that you are part of for the American Holistic Nurses Association yes yes um, which I mean, also worked a lot with um, AIDS and HIV and mm. patients who had terminal illnesses yes yes many years ago and I still do it uh, but certainly when it was you know, pretty heavy i was volunteering and working through that process so yeah so it's great you know it's wonderful you're also you do um intuitive energy healing and intuitive um medicine as well right that um, is my love i love energy healing i because i i feel very really i have to use the word honored i feel very honored by spirit to have the gift of being able to sense and correct 
the energy field of people. Yeah, I love it. It's just such a wonderful experience to be able to contribute in that way and uh, and work with the the yin yang flow and the meridian energy flow of people and place them on a table and just make that correction, which corrects so many things about. There's so many things uh, regarding the psychological state, the, the chemical state, the hormonal state. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And I really see it as medicine of the future, yeah. along, along with stem cell therapy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been getting a lot into the whole stem yeah. cell stuff with my friend Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and also, you, I, I know that you also did some stuff where you conduct a, a, a a group called the Wise Women's Workshops to empower yes. women to connect with their wise woman within. Yes, yes. You know, women are already, I believe women are already connected, uh, at least most women. The only thing is that they don't always trust their connection, you know? Mm-hmm. So, they don't really have to work at intuition. They're a little bit better with, than men about that because they're more biological beings because of their biological experiences through life where we men are a little bit more mental. We don't have those biological tw- every 28-day experience from an evolutionary standpoint. So therefore, we're not as connected to the body and we have to kind of work it. We, women are pretty much wise women, but... Uh, Unfortunately, what happens is due to the external forces that create self-doubt, they tend to lose that self-trust. So I think for the wise woman experience for me is number one, being connected to the stillness, the centered, intuitive identity, and number two, trusting it and acting on it. You know, so in in those workshops, what I try to do is tell them, hey, you can trust it, go for it. You know, don't question it, don't second guess it. It's there. It's a gift from God. Go for it. Yeah. Right. And let's get rid of the word try and is what you do. Yes. Yeah. I'm always correcting languages because language is so much power and you are doing it. And so Mm. I really appreciate that. Mm. And it's true. I feel that women um, are, you know, intrinsically by nature of their beings already connected to this amazing dynamic energy source that is always premating through their being, through their vessel, through their mind, through their consciousness, that the overriding of that is really about maintaining a certain level of, of sustaining themselves, filling up their vessels giving back to themselves because their energy is constantly going out and when their energy goes out i feel like a lot of that makes them go into a place of insecurity seeking the validation or the approval from the outside world in which to bring it in to give them that sense of that connection so they feel safe enough to trust their own intuition yeah and i think well said right well i mean after all that's you do so much of that it seems from what i am i'm yeah, about I am you, a woman's you know? advocate no doubt you know but i was born with uh, i have a twin sister so you know it was it was a great introduction to the wise woman experience (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah so for me i always feel like you know that that acknowledgement is you know women are always on this 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 evolutionary path you know when i do workshops when i'm speaking around the world i look out into the audience and i see the majority of people there are women and then there's a trickling down of men that's why i was really excited about having you on the show same with me Uh, 90 percent of my patients are women right and and when i do seminars Again, seventy. Not I would say at least eighty percent are women. Yep, eighty percent. That's about for me too. It's, uh, I mean, we want to see the men come in. That's why we want to talk about men today, right? That's right. Exactly. We, we want to see the men come in. We want them to feel safe enough to come in and open it up. 
That's right. And feel their power as well as their, yes, vulnerability, but certainly feel their power through their vulnerability. Yeah. Don't you feel on some level that there's a rooted energy within men that's been created by the system? Like, for instance, how men hold on to these ideas of what they think they are. Do you feel that the patriarchal structure has damaged or had effect on men? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great way to start to talk about men. Because when we talk about the patriarchal history, we tend to speak about women and how the patriarchal history has hurt women, which it has tremendously in so many ways. And, uh, and, and there are so many examples of that uh, that we're not, we won't get into today. Uh, but we also have to, uh, today I want to focus on how that patriarchal history and, and structure has affected men. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's, uh, it, you know, when a boy is growing up in a very rigid patriarchal structure, that boy cannot remain vulnerable. You know, that boy cannot remain fully in his heart. That's why I called my book The Masculine Heart, because it's really about keeping the heart strong, but open, right? Mm, so, I like that. Right. So can, can we do that? Can, boy, can little boys do that in a patriarchal structure that makes such demands from them to, uh, to perform, uh, that puts them into such experiences of shame in order to conform? So, so yes, the answer is the patriarchal structure has not helped us men very well. So can you tell me more about that? What, what, is, what about the patriarchal structure that has caused this, this, um, this complete disconnect yeah. from that place to, to even have a masculine heart? Right. I think by its nature, patriarchy is uh, hierarchical right? There is a hierarchy. There's the king energy, and then there's the generals, and then there's the servants, and so we go down, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's really not that different today. I mean, we have the leadership, right? We call it the economic political leadership, and then there's the, there's the hierarchy of, of the worker bees and so on and so forth. What happens is that we don't see the other as one. First, I want to touch on the king energy. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of the king, the president, the leader? The, the verb that describes the top hierarchy is service. It's about service, right? And a king who is committed to service sees the servant as an equal. Absolutely. On a soul level, yes. right? It does not separate, does not create this, this illusionary separation, this uh, lack of oneness. I am here, if I am the king energy, I am here to serve you. And what can I do for you? So the patriarchal structure destroyed that oneness. What it did was the king became the king and it created a this hierarchy that says you are the other. And in this, when we bring it to today's uh, formulation, the way it works is that those who are carry the king energy are on the top of the food chain who create products that we consume. And therefore, they've created a consumer society that, that consumes the products and those who are producing those products don't see the consumers as their equal. 
you see. So it doesn't matter if they are giving them good products, whether it's good food or a good mattress, you know, or, or, or something that is made that has quality, you know. So it becomes easy to exploit. It becomes easy to cheat. It becomes easy to, to not care. And therefore, it becomes easy for, peop- for, the, for the men, both on top and bottom, to c- disconnect from the heart center. That's interesting. And, you know, I really love what you're talking about. And I wanted to um, go back into a point of that, which is the idea of the king, right? So the king mentality has lost um, census of itself through the people, in the people. So it doesn't see itself in the people anymore. Because, you see, the thing is, that, like what we say in shamanism, which is, I feed you, I feed me. Yeah, I right. Love that. Right. So I, so I, so I always tell people like, you know, when I'm hugging you, I'm hugging myself. So how will I hug you? Is the way I want to hug myself. If I give something to you, I'm never going to give you anything that I wouldn't give myself. So if I'm going to eat something of good value, you, I want you to eat something of good value. If I buy something for myself of good value, I want to buy something for you of good value. If I speak to myself with good value, I want the same in return. So the king is looking outward at the people and it's supposed to see itself in the people for its desires of how to support the people and how to be able to give to the people because the king wants to be able to prosperous and become uh you know even grander in the ability of service and so how do you serve is you serve the people and then the people serve you back and then you serve the people and people serve you back but it's not about them serving you back as more as it about everyone in the tribe being taken care of as an equal and i think what has happened um based off of what you're saying And what I see a lot of in uh, male society is men pitting themselves off of each other. You know, you know, this man is weak. This man is strong. Look at me. I have a bigger, stronger body. I have a bigger, you know, um, you know, sexual organ. I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And so there's all of this kind of like competitive behavior because I remember growing up as a kid. My male friends were very competitive. We'd wrestle. They wanted to do hand, you know, the hand wrestling, arm arm wrestling. I mean, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they want everything was about like who is the alpha male, who's the winner, and who's. I mean, look at the loser. Look at look at the toys we grow up with, right? (laughs) Boy toys are always about winners and losers most of the time. Mm -hmm. Girl toys are toys that deal with sharing, right? So right there, the patriarchy is coming in, right? And uh, I, I feel like, first of all, I thank you for acknowledging that King Energy uh, reflection and, and mirroring. Thank you. It brings us to the to the to the subject of competition, doesn't it? Right. Absolutely. Competition does. versus cooperation. Right. So, can we create more through competition, or do we create more through? cooperation. I mean, do you feel that there's a difference in uh, competition versus cooperation? Yes, I do. I do feel that when we create through cooperation, we we end up using less resources. I mean, take two companies who are working to create some, let's say a pair of shoes, right? And they're trying to create the best pair of shoes. They're in two separate factories. They're in two separate buildings, to, to a whole set of employees and resources and machinery, right? Because they're competing. Look at the resources that are being used up. That's not very sustainable, is it? Right. Eventually, that's where we're moving. We're, we're, we have to. It's not that 
we should, we have to, in order to survive on this planet. We have to reduce competition. We have to create cooperation so that there can be sustainability. And I do feel we can create more through more quality, more love, <laughs> more love through cooperation. But isn't the idea of two, let's, let's, let's just, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for yes, a second. Yes, please. Isn't the idea of two, um, let's say one company making shoes and the other company making shoes, each of their visions is to create a shoe that is based upon their vision, their idea, what they feel. And therefore, isn't it subjective based upon each company to decide like what that looks like? Because how could they go into cooperation if they both have two different visions that they want to bring to the world? Mm -hmm. I do feel that even if there are different visions, we can still work together by and use less resources i and i hear that but the thing is what i what i what the, i look the, at the planet's not ready for what i'm saying right now I, I, well let's let's change that because the yeah. planet is ready for what you're saying right now okay but All the right, thing is that. is that right but how do we create a conversation with the tribe who's listening right now how do we create a conversation that invites us to start looking and talking about that Ah, right, that's because a good question. because it, we can always say the planet's not ready for something, but the thing is, we can't keep doing that anymore because that that's why the planet is the way it is. Because mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, the planet's not ready. Oh, people are not ready to take responsibility for their trash. Oh, people are not ready to take responsibility for recycling. Or people are not ready for this. No, we are ready. We okay. just need an understanding of how do we start in our daily lives as men. How do we start coming into a place of cooperation versus competition? Okay, I like that. Thank you for coming back with that. And my, yeah, my response would be to, to shift the consciousness, the malfunction of thinking, right? To shift that malfunction of thinking, that malfunction of consciousness from, a, from scarcity to abundance, right? Whenever we're operating in scarcity, we're going to be in the competitive mode. If we can have two different visions, but if we're operating from a space and a consciousness of abundance, it can work and it will work. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah. that sounds fantastic. So if we're operating from a place of scarcity, the idea of scarcity is that we don't have enough. When we see the person next to us having more, we begin to create jealousy and fear that we're not going to have what we need. So therefore, that's where a lot of people go into manipulation. They go into corruption. They go into the idea of being creating some kind of subversive behavior towards their competitor or creating something out there such as creating a cheaper product or creating something that's cheaper in the market that limits them from creating something of quality because they want to get it out there faster, quicker, bigger, better. Yeah, amen. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so what you're saying actually makes sense in the way that we look at it in just the cultural understanding. If we look at it from a sociological point of view, we understand that the dynamics of human being are operating within their field of grouping. So that every human being is operating in their field of grouping based upon what is comfortable, their comfort zones, right? So their comfort zones are not alienating themselves from that comfort zone. They're not going outside of the boundaries of that comfort zone. So therefore, their knowledge and their ability to perceive information outside of that circle is limited. 
Mm-hmm. And that creates a problem on our planet because yes. we are not creating enough community and not enough cooperation. So we see ourselves competitive. Why? Because we're threatened by any other group, our association, our circle. So what you're saying actually makes sense on a shamanic level because in tribal culture, you have your tribe, but at some point in your tribe, in order for your tribe to grow, there has to be someone who leaves the tribe and and connects with other things going on in the world and comes back to that tribe so that the tribe has new flourished information or that tribe will eventually um, die out by the fear of everything outside of them because they have no knowledge of it. Yeah. So, you know, what we're speaking, that's well, beautifully said. And what we're really speaking about is evolution, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we're speaking about the evolution of consciousness and patriarchy for millennia has not contributed to that. It has actually regressed evolution. So that is why the male psyche needs to move into this and will move into this consciousness of balance. I call it the consciousness of balance, right? Let's say is moving. Is moving. How's that? The cup okay. is always full. All right. I like that. The consciousness of balance. You know, in my book, there are two sections. My book has two sections. Section one is called terror. Section two is called mercy. Right? So in section one, I talk about how we men live in this. We may look good on the outside, but a lot of us carry this fear. I, I kind of use the word terror because I grew up with that, so I kind of know that energy. It's perpetual. Yes, and it, and I do know that a lot of men live in terror, although we, we know how to hide it very well. Mm-hmm. And how do we move from that place of terror to eventually to that se- second section, which is mercy, and, and specifically mercy to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Self-mercy. And so... You know, it's a, it's a process. It's a process. Well, we men are very good at compartmentalizing. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> we're and, masters at it. We can yeah. you make you look like we have it all figured out, and inside yeah, we're yeah. losing our minds. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, maybe that's why we die earlier <laughs> than women. <laughs> our, life, our, life, our life expectancy isn't as long as women, you know. Right, but we're changing that. That's why, yes. we, that's why we're having this conversation, yes, yes, right? Yes, we are, brother. But I want to go... <laughs> And we, we also, we got to redefine success, you see? Like, in order to get out of terror, you know, we have to redefine success, which is something we can maybe touch on. Absolutely. But I want to go back to that whole understanding of being a boy and growing up as a boy in the world with all of these circumstances and all these pressures that are compounding us to this idea that we are already threatened. Like, I remember in school... There were boys in school and you would look up to them because they were dating the hottest girl, the cheerleader, or they were like really good at the sports. And so all the boys would be like, oh my God, I want to be friends with him. Like, you know, which already was creating this, this divisiveness within the human spirit. Yes. Which is like, I want to be like him instead um, of I want to be like me. Yeah, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Right. And a lot of, and, 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 and today's culture, that's a structure that still exists. You know, you go into any type of men's group, men's club, there's always the man looking at the other man to see if he has the hottest girlfriend, the hottest wife, is he getting more sex, is he has the greatest, what kind of car does he drive, what does his body look like, who's got the hottest body. When I go to the gym to go work out, I watch men peacock their bodies against other men 
Right. Like, or, look at or, how look how or, hard I lift these weights. Right. Or their bank accounts. Or their bank accounts. Or their sports car. Or their material position. So, so their consumerism is not based on the idea of things that I need for the value of my evolution. It's consumerism based on what your theory is, based on the idea of what makes me feel safe to be considered a man that is worthy and has value. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what can I add to that? <laughs> well, you had. That's how I came up with. That's how I came that's up great. with that because of that's what great. you said. You know, we we have to. You know, this consumer culture is just. It's come. It's come to a place of excessive neurosis. You know, it, it's just. We have to shift gears, and we will shift gears, right? Um, well, you think I, about that. Yeah. I mean, we ha we have no choice. Yeah. It's right. just not sustainable, too. Yeah, there's nothing sustainable about consumerism today. Yes, yes. I mean, that's why I can't. That's why I mean, we're coming up on Christmas, mm -hmm. and I Christmas to me is the most non-sustainable holiday that humans still choose to observe. Yes, even the fact that it, even in the fact that it, Christmas isn't even what people even know what it is, which I'm not even going to go into because that's a whole other topic. But the whole idea that people celebrate Christmas. They load their kids up with tons of gifts, which makes their kid believe that the only value of, of joy that they have is when they have a lot of things. Like I go into people's homes and I see people always filling in empty space because they feel uncomfortable with the emptiness, you know, and that's the same thing that happens in when it comes to relationships, when it comes to people, how they deal with things in their lives. They feel that they have to fill in space. They feel like they have to have more because they feel that they're not secure enough within themselves to maintain a quality of realizing they're already full by being in full with themselves. So they say the only way they can be full is by getting the acknowledgement of someone else because of something they have or they have a lot of things. And that's where consumerism grows because consumer is always going to grow as long as you keep taking every generation of kids and giving them tons and tons and tons of toys, half of which they'll never play with. The other half they'll play with. The other half will go into to someone's house or be donated or be thrown in the trash can, which is more waste on the planet. We're talking about sustainability, right? And for men, we are taught that the more we have, the greater we are in society, the more acceptable we are. So we, yes, so therefore we come to the challenge for us men to redefine success. Mm. That's where we're at. Right. That is the evolution. The evolution is to look in the mirror and say, what does success mean for me? I don't want it defined by the consumer culture, by the political arenas. You know, what does it mean for me? And let's touch on that for a minute if we mm -hmm, can absolutely yeah i believe what that means is to to be vulnerable enough to say i need help to ask for help to be vulnerable enough to look inward instead of outward look inward for the answers instead of being defined by the outside forces it also means uh success means to reclaim our power as men right it's like if the king energy that is out there is abusive and exploitive then we have to reclaim our power don't we absolutely right and and so that is how we're going to re redefine success is by being vulnerable when we need to be vulnerable and being powerful when we need to be powerful and not allow the what i call the the goliath forces out there 
be the storytellers for our children. I, as a father, I am the storyteller for my child, not in, in, in a, a corporation that, is, that wants my child to be a consumer. So it's about reclaiming my power as a storyteller to my boys and as well as my girls, right? To my little boys and so that I define their agenda or their, their evolution. Mm-hmm. But here's a query for you. Yeah. So if I, I listened to my father, he was a storyteller. Right. He told stories and he sang songs and he told more stories and he sang songs throughout the house all the time. Every second was a story, tell, a story time with him. But all of his stories were about, you know, being um, in America, being black and watching people get lynched and how, you know, being black is difficult and hard and challenging because he grew up, you know, my dad was born uh, 1925, mm-hmm. you know, and for him, he lived through a lot of racism where um he grew up in new orleans okay and um and so you know having a lot of racism having a lot of watching uh you know people get lynched in front of him you know having to run from you know get away from different places i remember my aunt would tell me about how they would travel sometimes through the underground underground railroads you know to escape getting um caught and getting lynched. Mm-hmm. So his stories that he was telling me was actually de- uh, degrading me and depreciating the value of my color and the value of who I was as um, a, a man who comes from African family, who comes from you know um, having a mother who's you know Russian, Norwegian, and Native American, to you know being afraid to be black, you know wanting to go and and take bleach to dye my skin so I couldn't be black because my dad had told me so many stories of what it was like for him but i don't i don't think your dad was saying you shouldn't be black he was just saying these are the dangers of being black in a in an unjust society correct right but he's telling stories and for a kid because children see things in such a much more hyped visionary way yes i took it as well, why don't I just not be black? Yeah, I could see that. Right, right. It scared you, of course. So shouldn't the storytelling come have to be more storytelling that's mindful? Yes, yes. Uh, good point. I mean, the storytelling has to be mindful. It has to be evolutionary. It has to have an evolutionary process to it. So, An empowerment? Right, right. Like, I kind of have a similar thing. I grew up in... Uh, in Middle East and coming from one religion, growing up in another religion, uh, growing up in a neighborhood of another religion. And the story, te- so there was a lot of prejudice against us. And the storytelling was that, yes, there is prejudice, but we need to rise above it, right? We need to rise above it and we need to see the other person as a soul and not as a religion. So, so you're right. I mean, if the storytellers are not healed themselves, then they're not great storytellers, are they? Right? <laughs> That's my point. Right. I agree. I mean, I agree. nightmares. But, right. But, <laughs> but, you know, but comparatively, comparatively, the, the, the profiteering storytellers are, really concern me. You know? Yes. But, but here's the point that I was making in my query, because I wanted to play off of something that you said, yes. which was very poignant. Mm-hmm. Is that you said that men need to show up more in their healing, in their mercy, and their ability to accept that they need to look inside. They need to to they need to do the work. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, right. And um, you know, and actually I don't want to use the word work, but I'm gonna use the word engage. They really need to engage. Yes. Right. And that's the reason why those stories are coming out like nightmares, is because mm. my dad didn't engage himself. Right. And, and his yes. father didn't engage himself. Right. And his father's 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 fathers didn't engage themselves. Right. And so the story that they've been telling from from one man to another man to get to it got to me mm-hmm. was nightmares, horrific events of mm-hmm. things that were not in empowering me to see the beauty in my color, the beauty of myself as a man, the strength of myself, the ability for me to overcome the odds. From mm-hmm. the, you know, He could have told stories about how he overcame the odds, the things that inspired me like Martin Luther King did, you know, the way I felt inspired by Helen Keller, the way that I felt inspired by, you know, um, people who, who were pioneers mm-hmm. during times of conflict on mm-hmm. earth that I had to find out through friends of mine, you know, um, handing me books and reading it because I left school in junior mm-hmm. high. So I did, I spent a lot of time in the library teaching myself, educating myself. So finding your heroes. Finding your heroes. Right, right. Certainly finding our male heroes. Or right? our male heroes who are mentors living with us today. Right. And uh, I've always felt that a good barometer for a cultural experiences to learn who the heroes of that culture are exactly you know? <laughs> and and when when the heroes are famous and or uh rich i can't then it's a problem right it's we, a problem. We, we have to redefine success it's too much it's right? too much right? it really is yeah i mean when you bring up the name of martin luther king you know there was a hero there right and you know here we are 2018 december new york city you know, we ask the question, if we, if we had 10, 12 kids in this room, you know, like if we, we were to ask them, like, who are your heroes? The boys, right? Mm. Who are your heroes? It'd be interesting to see what they say. Yeah, see, that's the scary point. It is. And that's why th- that's why we keep coming back to redefining success, right? Right. But see, that's the scary point because we're not creating a value of understanding what is the male in which to emulate ourselves after. Right. So we need, we need, we're going to hear like Jay-Z, who's your hero, you know, people who are like, it's going to always be those who have a lot of Instagram likes and those who have, you know, like what, what are the kids telling me today? Um, There's this guy named um, John Paul, I think it's called, or, you know, he has like a brother, they do like a a YouTube thing, you know, and they, they go and they make fun of people all day long. And when I talk to young boys and now they call me, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Jake Pauler, you know, and like. I'm like, who's a Jake Pauler? So I had to go look it up. I said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't even know who this is. <laughs> That's my point. Do you see my point? Okay. So I had to go look up. Okay. So who, who is, who is this Jake Paul person? Right. And so then you find out, oh, Jake Paul and his brother, Logan Paul, they were, um, they are doing YouTube skits all day long, making fun of people and making fun of everything and not taking anything seriously in life. And, you know, not, and just. Disrespecting, if I can jump in, not being in their heart. Exactly. Disrespecting women, you know, doing all these things. But then parents are like, yeah, well, I stood in line for like four hours or like a whole day so my son could get the new Jake Paul sweater, you know, that was like six, seven hundred dollars. And, you know, he had to have it. And he has, you know, he admires him. He looks up to him. And I'm like, for what? 
what are you looking up to? These are not defined people in, in life. This is what we have generated on earth because men choose not to go to those workshops. Men choose not to sit down and do a, a breath meditation or to go and sit down and, and really, you know, engage themselves from within, like you said. That's, what, that's why I wanted to go back on what you were saying. Um, what you said hit a spark in me that got me lit and made my brain start putting all together all of these things that I have gone through in my life because of what you said, which is we don't have that the, the success model that we have that has been created is not the success that is the one that is necessary for men to follow so that we can be the, the heroes of today and tomorrow. Right. That's why we need these shows, these radio shows, these, what do we Podcast. call them? Podcasts. <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> It's okay. But, right, I come right. out of that time and, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we need to, we have to have a conversation and the, ma the male conversation is very weak in this country, in the US, and I would even say globally. Oh, it's global. It's not just you know, the US. And we have a it, lot of tribal members who listen to the, our shares who are from all over the world. And even we have people who listen to the shares who are from Africa, because I get like a printout of how many people listen from each country. We have people from the Philippines, from Africa, from New Zealand, from Australia, from London, from Germany, from all over the world. And these are not just issues happening in America, this is a global issue for men. Right. And, you know, in the patriarchal structure, I believe, this is my opinion and my bias, I believe the way men were controlled or boys were controlled was through shame. And I, I really believe that that is a big piece that we need to look inward and, and work through. What work, is the shame? Yeah. What is, yeah, what is, why, why should I be ashamed about, you know, what I'm feeling? Right, so uh, it's it's a it's a way to control and and conform little boys, right? And uh, you know these are things that we that's why we need more men, you know men's workshops, men's groups. I've run a men's groups for a number of years, uh, and and the subject of shame is very very big. We need to bring it into the, into light. You know when, uh, as you well know, when something is in the closet and it's it's in the dark. It's never going to get healed, right? That's right. We have to bring it open. We have to bring it out. We have to, you know, expose it. We have to expose the shame that we suffer and, uh, and the terrors that we suffer because of that shame. And, uh, and as we do that, we, we become a more integrated male, you know? To me, uh, and, and what is an integrated male, right? I, I think it's that balance between power and vulnerability. It's... You know, the power is the warrior energy, you can call it. It's also uh, connecting to our creative nature, you know. Uh, it's, cre it's connecting to our heart center, the creative nature within us, the, the king energy within us. Uh, because everybody, every male is a king, as, just as every male is a lover, right? And every male is a, is, can be a warrior. So we are those facets that can be integrated And uh, so we got to work at it. There's a lot of work to be done here. And uh, I mean, my book is just a piece of the conversation. 
I, I would like to see more books on the subject. There aren't enough. I really want to see more men come out and write these books. And, you know, women have done such an amazing job in the last 30 years since the ERA movement. And even before that, uh, the women's suffrage. And, and they've really, at least they discuss it, you see? At least they discuss it. They write about it. They have conversations. They have groups. They have workshops. It's like we're we're so far behind. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said something earlier in our conversation. You said that as men are growing up, they're thinking they've been trained by the way that they think towards success. Yes. And whereas women grow up, they don't think about success. They think about harmony. Mm. How can there be balance? Yes. How can there be love? Mm. Right. And so their focus is love harmony balance relationships right right. uh you know connectedness yes right i like like that word connectedness and uh, you know the truth is we men aren't different than that we we long for that as well but there's something about us that says it's shameful to desire those things absolutely you know absolutely so we so we got (laughs) we will work at it (laughs) We'll pray for us men. <laughs> you know, and we'll do our own inner work, you see? Uh, it's not just about, you know, when I do my men's group, groups, you know, it's not just about bringing whatever I can bring to, to the room, but it's also about me doing my inner work and working through my male issues, you know, whatever... It is that defines me as a man or defines me as a successful man, right? Maybe that should be a good, here's a good name for a book, The Successful Man. How about that, right? It's like, let's, let's write a book about the successful man. What does that mean, you know? And, and I think uh, we need to really elaborate on that. Yeah, I think, you know, we get into this, uh, this, you know, this primordial view of life instead of looking at it from its etherical point, which is how, when we're in the very primordial view, we look at it from our instinctual awareness, which comes from our animal DNA, which is the aspect of how do we operate from, you know, hunting, you know, to gathering, to, you know, having sex, to eating and to building and having shelter, right? And getting out of that that viewpoint and get more into a etherical viewpoint, which is how does my energy affect the frequency of energy that is happening in every part of life from the trees to the people, to the conversations, to the way that we're building new technologies, to the way we're operating on a complete consensus as a whole grouping versus just the individual one. And I think what happens is we get um, men, we are taught that our value is in the success marker, is in the idea that I have to be this type of person in order to be loved and seen. The idea of love is different for us than it is for women, even though, as you said just a few minutes ago, we yearn for the same thing that women yearn for, but yet we don't have the courage or the strength completely to be vulnerable and have humility enough to acknowledge it and, and- Say it. And be honest about it. And be it. honest about it. Right, right. You know, in my book, I talk about the movers and shakers, right? Mm-hmm. And I really think they have a responsibility, you know? <laughs> Tell me about it. And it, it's like, they can, they can be quite a force, you know, the celebrities or the leaders, whatever, you know, the leader of a company, right? 
they can they can have an enormous impact if they would operate out of this what we're calling the success model of the integrated male right and uh, i guess uh, you know we let's go let's take it to a spiritual place for a moment mm-hmm. and the spiritual place is to set an intention you know in my book sacred intentions i talk about you know what is it you want whatever it is you want set an intention as long as that is aligned with your soul because a lot of intentions aren't you know it, so be careful what we ask for right uh, we want to ask for an intention that is soulful rather than personality based because the personality is very flawed in many ways it can be good it can be confusing sometimes but the soul is always solid and uh, effective so you know in this conversation from to take it to a spiritual place it would be wonderful to set an intention i invite all the men listening out there and all the women listening to turn it on to their men to say something like this you know i declare an intention to become to be and to become an integrated successful man right i declare an intention to be and become an integrated successful man and you know it's it starts with intentions and when we set an intention like that which is a soulful intention spirit comes in and starts the work i like that intention for men and the one that i like in your book yeah. which is your intention that says i declare an intention to unconditionally forgive others and release blame and i think that's something that women mm. need to hold oh. as their intention why do you say that? Because women are at a point right now because of the suppression and the constant um, degradation upon them to be held back from their true intuition mm. and their power right. that has that has been using sexual um, manipulation in the workplace and in you know in life that men have used yes. to keep women feeling small that they have no power and now we are at a time um, where the age of women, which is the the the, the rediscovery of the feminine essence not from the i'm weak and i need to make sure i do everything you want me to do because i want to feel safe enough that you're going to give me a life and love me so i can have children with you and you're going to love our children and create a home for us that i feel safe away from the world to the woman who's like no i'm actually a queen and i need my king and i need to be the goddess at times and i need to be the whore at times and i need to be the wild one who is unencumbered who feels that there's nothing holding me or barricading me and then I need to be the woman who's able to speak about injustices to bring things back into balance from a place of love to bring harmony, not just to our um, you know, circle, but to the global circle. And so women are at this, this precipice of change, but what, what has created a, 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 what we call a, a block, or should I say um, a pause for a moment has been the, the, the pain that they're still holding in their pain body, the part they're holding on to of the years, not just of what they experience in their environment, but what their mothers, mothers, the mothers, ancestors. ancestors exactly. Right. So the ancestral healing. Yes. So that's the reason why I love that intention. Um, Could you read it again? Yes, of course. Um, because it's so important uh, to this have is for that. for the women. Yeah, and this is for the women. All right. I declare... An intention to unconditionally forgive others and release blame. And that is really important because the moment we um, begin to remove blame 
we begin to see how our role plays into that energy and how it has been not just held within men, but also within women to see their sisterhood and to see themselves as a natural aspect of the power um, energy that is necessary for holding this planet and the earth and the being stewards of men. Because, I mean, think about it. Every woman brings a boy into this world. I and mean, this is just this is just stuff that I have been observing um, a lot. When a woman brings a child into this world, she's already been with that child because it's been growing inside of her in the gestation period before she has given birth. So that child has already been familiar with her endocrine system, her entire her blood, her bile, everything that's been running through her has been running through that child. So there is a beautiful synthesis that's already created with that child. Now, what happens to men? Well, men don't have that synthesis with their child because it wasn't inside of them. So men are alienated from their child only from the aspect of I'm the father. So I always say that in order for us to create and balance with children, men, sh women should take a break for a couple months to let their child merge with the father. So the child and the father should go somewhere and have what we call a communion of sorts to be able to be an imprint upon each other. And I feel like we've lost that imprint in society because now it's just like, okay, I'm your father and now I'm doing fatherly things. But the man feels so out of control because he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And then men and then women get upset. How come you didn't get the bottle? How come you didn't do this? How come you didn't this? How could you think? How could you not think about getting the blanket in the car? Why would you put the seat like this? Men are already in the place of, I don't even understand how to relate to my child. Good point. There's no imprinting. Uh, yes. Imprinting is everything. Right. And you know, especially the imprinting between father and son, like I, I always tell my male patients, like if you have a boy who's usually after the age of six, seven, something like that, they need to spend more one-on-one -on -one with the father. I tell the mothers, when your boy comes to ask you questions, just, you know, four famous words, go ask daddy. Go ask your uncle. Go ask grandpa. Like, go ask a male because a boy is going to define his male identity through another male. And he needs to experience that male model. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to play devil's advocate again. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, women see more than men. They have women see quantumly, men see linearly. Men see what's in front of them, how it affects them, how it supports them, what they can, what it means for them, and then they decide how they're going to move in this linear form. Women see quantumly how everything is affecting each other, how everything inside of itself, where the dangers are, where the necessary um, successes are, they see all of these different things. So I think that there's a point where men should take the role of helping their son understand the courage, understand what it means to be a man of power, what power really looks like in the world, whereas women are the ones who should guide their son to understand life, the life code. The interior. The interior. Okay. What is the feelings you have? Don't pull the wing off the butterfly. You'll, you'll see this beautiful creature that has life. Let us go out into nature and let us look at the beauty of the trees. Don't just see the trees, see life. Let's honor life. I feel like the reason why we have so many men 
who are operating in corrupt ways, who are operating in this idea of not thinking about how every action they take affects the global experience of every human being on this earth, including the animals and including nature, is because their mothers were not in the space of being honored enough to give them the wisdom. The husband or the father wasn't able to let the women entrain their mind of their son to knowledge of the life code. I think what you're saying is the, the son didn't witness how the mother was honored by the male figures. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? There's a part of that, that as that's, well. That, that is so crucial if that's what you were saying. It, what I'm saying is this, is that in every woman they have a code inside of them that we men don't have. It's called the life code. It means the value of life is more valuable than anything. So why do they have it? Because every time they have their menstruation cycle, they're constantly being reminded of this life code, the value of this life, the value of death in life, the value of all of these in, be so what, in between. What, what code we men have that they don't? I'm asking the question. Yeah. So here. what we have inside of ourselves is the structural code. How to take and build something into structure and dynamic, right? And so what happens in women is when a child is born, and, it, and the, if the mother was to say, go ask your father, the father doesn't have the, 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 the ability to see quantumly. So he's only going to give his son information based on the model that you talked about, which is what he thinks it takes to be successful, seen, acknowledged, and appreciated in society, which has been, I think, the downfall for a lot of men because men should be listening to their mothers and men, and, and not only just men, but all men should be listening to women because women have a stronger amygdala. They can sense danger quicker. Nature animals who get killed the most are male animals, not females, because they sense danger way before the animal goes to attack. Women see the possible uh, things that take place. Men see the ability to construct dynamically. That means that if they have the knowledge of the life code, they will be able to construct a world that supports everyone because they acknowledged what they learned from the mother, which is life has value. And right now, men don't have that code trained so, into them. So they construct and build buildings and build businesses and build corporations and build technology that is all masculine, square computers, square buildings, rectangle buildings. That's a masculine construct. So what happens is your brain is looking through a box and that box mentality creates a discord in human awareness because in shamanism, Whatever you are looking from, if you are in nature and you're spending out time in nature and you live around open space, your brain opens up into that space and you begin to connect to everything in that space. When you're living in boxes and things that are, and you're wearing square computer and everything is square, 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 you actually are in box mentality. That means that your brain holds a mental construct. That's where men build. Men build constructs. These constructs create all types of things. In every construct, you have to fill in stuff. That's where the woman fills in. The construct itself is created by the man. But if the construct is a square, a woman fills into a square, she can't fill into that square because she's going to say, but that construct is limiting. Why not create something that's, that supports everyone? Why not just just the one or the I or the id instead of creating something that's the we, you know, and, and or the they? So, 
That's why I feel like whereas women should be the wisdom bearers, men should teach the boys the courage, the constructs, why we build from the life, why we build from this knowledge of love. Everything we create on earth should come from that lens of love. Then the dynamic construction of our planet, our technology, our educational system, everything will be in harmony for the evolution of our species. Amen. It'll be heart-based. It would be heart-based. Right. And that's what that's the missing link between male and female. So can we what a wonderful world once we get that the structural code and the and the life code integrated, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, the female is that that has that fluid energy while the male has this structured energy, right? Yes. Uh, so once that integration happens, and I mean there's I like I like the point you made about how important it is for the father to spend that one-on-one time early on with the girl as well as with the boy, right? And and, and to, to 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 learn to perhaps to integrate that life code, to stay in his sweetness, to stay in his in his heart. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that's what I, I took from what you said because you, what you said was um which struck a chord in me was when you were saying um, about how how men need to be more pre- go in, be more present, be more open. The reason why it, this hasn't happened yet is because one of the things that you said that really struck out for me is on top of that when I put the two together because the first thing you said was about that, but then you said about men going into mercy, going into that place of humbleness, saying I need help. The word I need help, right, is the act of humility, which means I don't have it all figured out, which makes women feel like, because men always think women are going to be like, oh my God, I have more power than you. Men are so afraid of the, of, of women because they are afraid of losing their mother. So they associate women as the idea of losing their mother. So they place all of these, these energies of, I can't be weak. I can't be uh, vulnerable. I can't be this. But those words that you said, which is, I need help, by men stepping into a place of saying, I don't know the life code. That's the help that I need. The help of self-preservation, the help of understanding self-love, the help of nurturing, the help of, of, of being in that, that feminine frequency of loving and, and nurturing and compassion and, and, and deep well of love and, and understanding for themselves will allow them to be, to be able to rise in a short amount of time to meet equally with women, to begin the unveiling of a new world. You know, sometimes when I work with parents, I give them an exercise. I ask them, let's suppose they have three children, right? I say to the men, I want you to, I don't want you to tell me right now. I want you to think about this, go home and write it down and come back and we'll talk about it. I would like you to write down what it is you're learning from each child. I want you to see your children as your teacher. For a minute, don't see yourself as their teacher. You are their teacher. They are your teacher, right? And it's really revolutionary what happens. It's like they come back and they go, wow, I finally got it. It's like I'm learning sweetness from this child. I'm learning courage from that other child. And I'm learning 
silence from this child. It's like, it's amazing, right? Like we have to really look at children as, as uh, our teachers. And I think that can change things. They could change that the way we think about children. Yeah. I, it's so funny, you, you know, you're such a kindred spirit because <laughs> I do this course in Israel called Parents and uh, Parents and Kids. Yeah. And what I do is I have all the parents sit down and all the kids sit in chairs and tell yeah. their parents exactly what they're, they're not getting or understanding. Because I always say kids were just there. They were just on the other side mm. and they just got here. Right. And they have more hairs in their ear, which allows them to interpret more sounds that we don't even hear anymore. Right. They have ability to connect with more um, um, things that they see visually, uh, uh, kinetically and auditorially that they don't usually, uh, that we have lost consensus of because of the constant uh, magnetism of pollution that we get from media, from billboards, from magazines, from who's hot, who's not, who's on the runway, what did she wear, and all this nonsense that we're constantly bombarded with, which is mm -hmm. aggressive attacks from our own system mm -hmm. that dies out those beautiful, subtle frequencies mm. that allow us to pick up on the subtle nuances of life that are much more valuable than us going and watching who just won an award for the best uh, film actor, mm. right? And so getting to that space is about returning to nature. That's mm -hmm. what that's what in shamanism is like getting that space is returning to nature or being with kids in a way where you're outside of that. I call it static. Right. And so that way you're able to move out of that static range and get into a heart range with each other so that your kid can then share with you mm -hmm. like. This is what you do, and this is what I see, and this is what is out of balance because they see those subtle nuances. And so once you're able to step out of this place of I'm the parent, and because I'm the parent, I have to have it all figured out, and I have to be this a powerful parent, you know, which is a lot of – goes back to men again, whereas men are like, I'm the man. I can't be weak in front of women. I can't show vulnerability. I have to be like this. I have to be, I have to be this. If I get in bed, I have to make sure I please her sexually yes. and intimately because, God forbid, I'm not good in bed. Then I, then the, I go down the notch of being a man, and I'm now subjected back to being uh, – a loser yeah <laughs> right? amen i mean how much do we how much I, I mean i mean you know we're here talking honest here and this is what uh, this is what the share is all about mm -hmm. how much do we as men put a lot of our attention on our dick yeah our performance our performance right how we operate the size what we're capable of doing <laughs> sizing up the other men in the locker room to see if we're man enough you know, I get more men who come to me who are who spend more time talking about their sexual genitalia mm -hmm. of what's going on between their legs and how they feel their wife or their girlfriend is, you know, is receiving them mm -hmm. more so than let's talk about how do I get into my heart space. Right. It's more like, oh, my God. You know, I'm afraid that my girlfriend's going to leave me because, you know, she slept with this one guy and he is a bigger dick than me. And like, you mm -hmm. know, that means that she's probably. And then she mentioned one time I asked her, you know, what was it like? Because men will always do this. And ladies, if you're listening, I just want you to know men will do this. They'll ask you. So what was so, you know, um, what, did you have other sexual partners? And, you know, they, they want to they, they're inquiring, not because they really care about your sexual partners. They're sizing themselves up based on your story. They're so comparing. just comparing, comparing. Right. So don't open your mouth. If you feel if you want to have a successful relationship because they're comparing, if they're comparing ends up being where you actually had more pleasure, more. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Be careful with that question. And be careful with that question. That's a loaded now, question. Now, you know, wouldn't it be part of the evolutionary process, part of the successful man, right, in this post-porn culture is to have the heart and the pelvis connect, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's it. I mean, I believe that's what a woman in a marriage wants or in an intimate relationship, you know, or... Uh, it's about having the connection between the genitalia and the heart, really. It's about the two being fused and connected. But when we are disconnected because of what's, how sex is being defined for us as young boys, then, you know, we have work to do to reconnect. It, it took me some time to reconnect. I mean, I literally, I, was my, I grew up with a father who would watch the, uh, the Swedish erotica porns, wow. you know, like the Vanessa Del Rio and the John Holmes and all these kind of things. And I caught him, Wow! you know, I caught him and he, didn't, <laughs> you know, I caught him in mid masturbation, you know, like <laughs> I walked, I snuck in his room and I saw this sheet going, you know, of his blanket. And I was like, wow, what's going on? And he's all nothing. And I was like, dad, what's going on? Why is the sheet lifted like that? He goes, nothing, nothing. It's the controller. I'm like, no, dad, it's not. What are you watching? And what did you flip? And so I ran and grabbed the controller and pushed play. And this porn came on. And he was so embarrassed. I bet. <laughs> and so the way he handled it was, it'll be our secret. This is what men do. This is what he said to me. This is what men do. And he's like, and so I'll drop. I, he's like, I don't want you to talk about this, but I'll give you a couple tapes so you can watch it on your VH, your VH recorder. And how old are you? And I was, uh, what age was I at the time? I was 15. So I was 15 years old and I was showing it to all my male friends. So we were sitting up watching all the, you know, all the 70s porn and all this kind of stuff. And so literally, I remember when I first had um, intercourse (laughs) and even all the intercourse that I was having with women at that time, I was, I, I thought I was a porn star. You know, so <laughs> John Holmes. You know, I was like, I was, I would put on music, and and the girl would be like, "What's the music for?" And I'm like, "It sets the mood, babe." You know, and then I would be like, "Okay, so you're gonna pretend you're a nurse, and I'm gonna pretend I'm a patient." And then mm-hmm. she'd be like, "Why are we doing this?" And I'm like, "Just get into it." And so mm-hmm. she would do it, and then we'd get into the whole sexual part, and then I'd be like. I'd be like, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, you shouldn't be working late in the hospital, you know? And then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, here comes the money shot, you know? And like, literally I thought I was the king of the world. And then one day I get this girlfriend and she's all, did you grow up watching porn or something? Like, Mm -hmm. what is this sex that we're having? You're not even present. You're not even here. You're not even in your heart. Mm. You're in something. What is this? Who is this? What is this? Right. So I showed her my porn collection that I got from my dad, you know? So I was thinking, wow, if my dad is having this, so I called up my mom. So that was was your inheritance. That was my inheritance. (laughs) So I called up my mom. I was like, mom, what was sex like with dad? She goes, well, it wasn't the greatest. And I was like, why? And she's like, because your father, he doesn't understand the spiritual components of sex. She's like, I'm a spiritual goddess. I'm a queen. I'm a woman. If you're going to go down on me, you're going to eat my pussy with, with joy and honor because I'm giving this to you. Not your father who goes down on me and then washes his, out, his mouth out with Listerine and says, okay, babe, let's go to bed. And when he would have sex with me, I felt like he was, I was like in a porn with him. And I go, that's so interesting, you know? And so I started like 
talking to my dad. I mean, my dad never can. My mom is the only one who would talk straight up to me about everything. She would tell me about her sex life, about sex, what to expect, what to experience, everything. My mom is that way to this day. I can talk to her about anything. My dad, everything's uncomfortable. His way of, his way of dealing with it is like, that's what men do. That's the way it is. Well, that's what he learned. You see, he carries that, what you were saying earlier from the grandfathers, the great grandfathers. You know. But I like something you said there about the word, you use the word present. You know, I've always felt, uh, I grew up in kind of a matriarchal culture. I mean, well, not culture, I'm sorry, matriarchal family, meaning that there was a lot of women, not many men. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, as as you and I said earlier, you know, a lot of our patients and clients are women. And it, it, I've come to the, you know, I've come to realize that what women want is presence. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. They want us to be present. You hear that, man? You know, We're, that's what women want. They want us to be present, which means, I mean, we can do a whole hour show on like, what does it mean to be present? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, uh, in less than two minutes, I mean, what that means is, uh, as you said earlier, to be in our hearts, uh, to not be distracted, to have no exits, and to be present. Mm-hmm. No exits. No exits. No exits of TV. No exits of you know cell phone and texts and you know just no exits. You you're present when you're with her. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's you're absolutely right. I 100 percent agree. So yeah, you know this is um, such a gift for you and I to be here together, uh, Dr. Robert. Yes. Thank you, New York City. (laughs) (laughs) For us to speak on this topic, because I know that uh, today's share, a lot of men and a lot of women have gotten a lot of understanding, a deep understanding of these things that have happened and how we need to get back to that space where we're operating in that masculine heart, where we're operating with our truth and our sacred intentions to create change and to pull ourselves out of this limited viewpoint that was pushed upon us by these patriarchal systems and by the systems of movies and generations of music and all these different things and really get back to a place of cooperative love. Yes, yes. And I want to close by reiterating that intention we we created earlier about for us men and about us men, which is, I declare an intention to be an integrated and successful man. I declare an intention to be an integrated and successful man. And I leave you men with the, with the challenge to define what that success means for you individually. Yeah. And, uh, and not look at the authorities out there that are at times false authorities who are defining our manhood thank you for listening yeah thank you and how can how can people um get your book yes they can go to uh, amazon.com and uh, just click my name and it'll come up i have three books i have one called life and afterlife mm-hmm. sacred intentions and of course the masculine heart what makes men tick and uh my, and spell your name for yes, them uh First name's Robert, last name K-A-N-D-A-R-J-I-A-N. That's I'll spell it again. K-A-N-D-A-R-J-I-A-N. And I'm on the East Coast in the New York metro area. And how can people have um, a treatment with you or a session, yeah, yeah. a healing? They can write to me through the website or, tel- or telephone. I can give them a phone number. 
Yes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. My number is 917-297-8000. 917-297-8000. Fantastic. Thank you, Shaman. Thank you <laughs> for like, being on today's share. <laughs> amazing, amazing conversation. I love you. It was Thank enlightening. You. Love you too, man. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So Tribe, What Makes a Man Tick? The Masculine Heart by Dr. Robert Kandarjan. I can tell you right now, I'm sure all of you are lit and on the lit train and throwing the lit hammer down at certain points in our conversation because of how powerful and how amazing the energy and the information that was penetrating. And when I say penetrating, moving into those places inside that need the healing the most. This is what it's about, shifting and lifting. We have to shake it up to wake it up. And that's what we're doing here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast is sharing information to get into those places, to open up conversation so that we can create change for the better for our species. That is it. So do get a chance to check out his book on Amazon, The Masculine Heart, What Makes Men Tick and Sacred Intentions. I know you're going to enjoy it. And I'm so happy. And if you get a chance, if you're not following me already on Instagram, please do so at Shaman Durek. If you want to get onto my mailing list to take some classes and to learn shamanism and to really up-level yourself in today's world, you can do so by going onto my website at shamandurek.com. Leave a message or a review uh, at iTunes on the review page. And remember, Remember, the most important thing in this world is you. Till next time, see you later, alligator. Bye.